1: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood.
0: Folks, my guest this evening is Tim Challies. He is a dear brother in Christ that I've only met uh, at a distance over using technology. He's been on our broadcast before. I first encountered uh, Tim's name when he did a website for our camp, Camp Arrowood, here at the ranch, and that was many years ago when Tim was doing people's websites for them. Uh, He has since proved himself a prolific author of absolutely marvelous books, and we've asked him to come on today's broadcast to talk about his latest book. It is one that I have really, really appreciated. It's called Seasons of Sorrow, and um, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God is the subtitle. And this is a subject that Tim doesn't just address academically. Uh, This is something that he has lived, and he shares uh, very beautifully, very powerfully um, from his own experience. And so I'm going to invite him to share with us the origin of this book
1: yeah thanks for uh, thanks for asking. Uh, Seasons of Sorrow came out of very terrible uh, a very terrible loss of my family. Uh, my son Nick was a student at the Southern Baptist theological Seminary um, doing well in his program, newly engaged, looking forward to uh, graduating in a couple of years and moving on to pastoral ministry, when just very suddenly the Lord took him. Um, unknown to us, he must have had some sort of a heart condition, and in just a moment he collapsed to the ground and was gone in front of his fiance, in front of his sister, in front of his friends who were all there at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the in the aftermath of that loss, I just found myself writing. Writing is how I think, how I process things, always has been. And so um, in the early days and continuing on for that initial year, I just found myself continually writing out my thoughts and processing in real time what I was experiencing in this time of of grief.
0: Well, I want to thank you for being willing to let the rest of us in uh, and to walk along with you, if you will, in that journey, not only through this book, but through your website. Um, You open your heart and share uh, not just sort of emotive things, but a beautifully biblically informed journey of faith. And so I'm very grateful. I've corresponded and you've been kind enough to respond to my notes that I've sent, but uh, you've been in my prayers. You were even before this happened uh, in my prayers. And um, I, I just, I thank God for the steady faithfulness that you have exhibited uh, throughout this it doesn't mean that you haven't had ups and downs. Uh, you're very candid about that, very honest. And uh, that too is very biblical. Uh, anybody who has read the Psalms knows that God inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, an honest expression of at times feeling bewildered, at times feeling uh, exhilarated, uh, all these different things that we see in the Psalms are expressed in a way that honors God. And your seasons of sorrow, uh, which chronicles a year uh, from the time your son died to the one-year anniversary, um, really has been a privilege for those of us who've read it to see how God has led you and faithfully shepherded you as you've walked through this, talk with us a little bit about some of the the lessons because I know one of your hopes for this book and for other resources you've developed is to be able to help other people who go through loss like this. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, um, first, to what you just said. Thank you, um, and I just want to give, give thanks to my wife and daughters who were willing to have me share my thoughts publicly. That, that, uh, that was a, a joy. It was a blessing to me that they were willing to do that and an acknowledgment that I get to tell my story through the book. They don't get to tell theirs. Neither do they, they want to or are they ready to, yeah. but uh, I think for them it's quite a thing to allow me to tell my side and maybe even for people to conclude that is the story when really it's just one very small part of the story. So I'm, I'm thankful that they were willing to to do that. And, yeah, um, yeah I, I think when it comes to suffering and sorrow, that's a universal human experience. We can't live in this world without experiencing sorrow, without experiencing loss, grief, bereavement. This is just part of what it is to live in this world, this world that we corrupted through our sin and death now reigns in this world. And so all of us has, have to grapple with death. and um, if not grappling with death at any given time, there's some some sorrow that's going on in our lives. And I think what we find is that um, there's a lot that's common with all of our sorrows, no matter what the cause of them, there's a lot that's common. And so um, what I wanted to do in this book, and, you know, it took me quite a while to even realize I was writing a book. I was just yeah. writing and then later gathered these writings into a book. Yeah. Well, what I was doing along the way is giving a real time, look at grief. So it wasn't looking back at grief a year or five years later, but it was just in the moment day by day, month by month, season by season, really uh, Mm -hmm. sharing what the Lord was doing and um, how I was interpreting this. And so I hope people find that helpful. There's a kind of urgency that comes with that. I think that, that I hope will speak to people in their times of, of sorrow and grief.
0: Amen. Uh, You know, a lot of very, uh, notable authors and so forth like Johnny Erickson Tada or Al Mohler, uh, have written beautiful endorsements of this book, and uh, they've shared how they believe it's a very important work. Um, I, I think God in his sovereignty uh, entrusts certain people with experiences uh, in part so that they can minister to others, or as as we read in, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, comfort others with the comfort with which we have been comforted. Um, one of the people who had a huge impact on my life uh, when I was young was Joseph Bailey. Joe Bailey was the publisher of Eternity uh, magazine and, and uh, a wonderful author, but he taught a course on death and dying at Gordon-Conwell, and it was just, you know, one of those uh, one month courses you could sign up for during like the January uh, season or uh, summer season. Joe Bailey's book, uh, The Last Thing We Talk About, also published under the title, The View from a Hearse," uh, talked about his own experience uh, as a father who lost three of his sons. And it, when he came and taught that course, I'd already read his other stuff, and uh, and then when I read this and heard him speak and so forth, it, it was used by God, not only touched many, many lives, but it touched mine because uh, he talked about how we have other kinds of death experiences. Um, it's not always the physical death of a child or a spouse or so forth. There are other ways in which we have to go through a grieving process and to learn to be able to. Walk through that, not feeling alone, but knowing that the Lord who loves us, is with us, has not abandoned us, um, is, is an enormous comfort. And that course, my wife and I took together just before the birth of our son, uh, who the doctors had not anticipated any problems. But when he was born, it turned out that he had significant birth defects, life-threatening condition, and that we would spend all of his life so far wondering how much more time we have. Um, Because, I mean, we were told when he was about 13 that he would not likely live past 30. We just celebrated his 44th birthday. But there have been many times along the way when we weren't sure that, that he'd be here the next day. Um he's had over forty surgeries. He's had many life threatening crises. and in the midst of that, knowing that, as you say god is is sovereign all the time, and God is good all the time is is really vital and if if you will allow me, I want to read a, a portion uh, where you you speak about that because this this really spoke to me and fits very well uh, with what we're talking about. God is good all the time, right? I might be saying that as a question, but I am saying it. I don't necessarily understand how God is good in this or why taking my son is consistent with his goodness. But I know it must be. If Nick's death was not a lapse in God's sovereignty, it was also not a lapse in his goodness. If there was no moment in which God stopped being sovereign, there is no moment in which he stopped being good. Good toward me. Good toward my family. Good toward Nick. Good according to his perfect wisdom. God can't not be good. Um. Leighton Ford, whose son died in his youth, um, said that he prayed while his son was in surgery. God, be good to my son. And then the doctors came out of the operating room and told him that they were not able to revive his son after the surgery. And he said he had to embrace the truth that God was good to his son. And that is where we live as Christians. We can't see it. It doesn't all make sense. It it doesn't fit with how we feel. But it is what we know that enables us to live beyond our feelings, not denying our feelings, but knowing that the sufferings of this life are temporary. One of the things you write about in the book that, that I, I want you to expound on a little bit for our listeners is, is talking about how, on the one hand, life is so short, but on the other hand, how eternity is so long. You know, you talk about trying to picture what kind of dash would, would symbolize eternity. Talk with us a little bit about that, if you would.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think... As I pondered that, so I wrote a chapter in which I considered, uh, what if the dash between the dates of our birth and death on the gravestone, what if that death was pro- dash was proportional to the length of the life we lived? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so a person who lived twice as long would have, as, as another person would have a dash that's twice as long, So it's sort of a silly thought exercise, and then from there, well, how long would a dash be that extends for all of eternity, just as a way of trying to visualize life and... I think that really came out of my, my reflections on um, the, the Bible's insistence that the worst we encounter here is but a light and momentary affliction.
0: Amen. And
1: uh, when you lose a child at 44 years old or 43 years old, I guess I was, and you figure the average human lifespan is going to probably double that. So I might have 43 years of carrying this this grief that seems like a very long time and it seems very heavy. And there's a an absolute sense in which that is true. It is long and it is very, very burdensome. On the other hand, if our if our perspective is truly eternal, if we're living not just on earth, but we've already set our minds in heaven and we're really starting to live out those eternal realities by faith, just just living like eternity is true, like heaven is real, then we can begin to feel that this is light, this is moment. We can be momentary. We can be- begin to actually experience what the bible describes there and so we do have tremendous hope that that even though even though this is weighty and this is long by comparison we will judge it short and light just when we compare it to the the length of time and the sheer joy that waits in the lord's presence
0: amen and that is what the apostle paul says in fact is it is light and momentary the sufferings we go through now in comparison to the glory that awaits us. You you speak of not wishing that you could call your son back from heaven. Not, you know, because you'd be robbing him uh, of so much that he already is enjoying. And while the body sleeps in the ground, those who die in Christ are immediately in the Lord's presence. As you note in your book, he said to the thief on the cross, not, you'll be with me someday. He said, this day, you will be with me in paradise. And so to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we don't wonder where Nick is. We know. And we know it not because we feel it. We know it because God says it. And we know that he does not lie.
1: Yeah, you know, um, we we talk a lot about faith, and for good reason. You know, we're justified by grace through faith. And so we are people who are utterly dependent on this gift of faith that God gives us so we can repent and believe and have life eternal. But faith isn't only exercised for salvation. We exercise faith day by day in God's promises. And when we go through a loss like this, this is right when we now need to exercise that faith and say, Either this whole thing is true or this whole thing is bunk and I'm throwing it away. But in this moment, am I going to truly believe that God is good? Am I truly going to believe that God is sovereign? Am I truly going to believe his promises, not just for my salvation, but also for for the deliverance um, through death of those who have been saved by faith in Christ? And um, I I think any great great grief, great loss is a time where we're called then to exercise our faith and to truly take God at his word.
0: Amen. It, It seems to me that there are times for all of us when God tests our faith, not because he's not sure of the outcome, but because we need that refining process. Even our Lord Jesus, who was absolutely without sin, uh, is described as being made perfect by that which he suffered, uh, by learning obedience through what he endured. And when we go through difficulty, it doesn't change the truth of who God is, but it does begin to show us the genuineness of what God is doing in us. We can live with confidence we can live with joy. We can live with peace that passes understanding. You have exhibited that uh, as you've been on this journey, but you also share with us, not just, hey, I've got peace that passes understanding, or, you know, "I, I believe it's okay. You've shared with us your feelings, your thoughts, your struggles, and in the midst of it, God's faithfulness. And God has kept you, by grace, through faith, faithful in the midst of that. And I again, I, I know that is his work, so I give him the praise. But I thank you, my brother, for exhibiting what that looks like, for giving us uh, a role model uh, so that we are encouraged that this can be done. You don't have to walk away. You don't have to become a recluse for years. You can process these things in a way that is has integrity and is biblical. And so again, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And I would ask you to extend those thanks, uh, as you mentioned to your wife and your daughters, for allowing you, as you said, to share your perspective, to share your journey, because I know, um, that each of us goes through things differently and we all have our own perspective. I was telling someone the other day, I have three older siblings. None of us grew up in the same family because the family was changing over the years. And, uh, you know, all of my siblings had to have me as a little brother. I didn't. Um, I, I was that kid. But, of course, I had to have them as my older siblings, and they didn't have that problem. So, uh, you know, we, we all had, my parents were at a different stage of maturity um, when, you know, each of us came along. And I like to feel that I got the best of the deal because as the youngest, they'd practiced on my three older siblings. But, but the fact of the matter is, each of us is on our own journey with God but we have one Father, and He does not change. He is always the same. He is always faithful. His promises are always true. And one of the things He promised us is that we would have trouble in this life. He he didn't say, now some of you may encounter difficulty. He promised that all of us would go through troubles of various kinds. And so in James, we're told that when we're going through various kinds of trials, we should rejoice. Uh, It doesn't say you should feel good. It doesn't say, don't let it bother you. It says rejoice, because you know that God is using this to accomplish good. You and I are gonna come out shining by God's grace because of what he has done to refine us and you talk about that in the book too that this is a part of the process god promised
1: yeah we found it very important to distinguish between two things which is why god chose this and how god is using this and so i think as christians we can sometimes be a little too quick to find some good thing that came out of our loss and say this must be why god did it or to say something like, "Well, God did this so I could have my character become more like Christ," or something, and, and again, I want to be careful not to conflate why God did it purposes that that are God's own, and He He doesn't tell us why He does these things. We shouldn't expect Him to. It, it's possible no. somehow we'll we'll figure that out, but the secret things belong to the Lord, um, and that's and that's fine. So we entrust God with that and say what we know of God's character means. He didn't do this to punish me. He didn't do this to punish my son. He didn't do this because he, he lost track of us or Satan yeah. got the upper hand. God did this for reasons that are good, even if they're mysterious. But what we can see and what we can rejoice in is how God is using it. And primarily, I think how God uses these things is to shape the people who suffered the loss yeah. to cause us to become more like Christ, and so he he shapes our character. He causes us to rely more on Him, and then as he said before, he also calls us then to to use these griefs, to use these sorrows, to minister to others. To yes. he, he gives these for a reason, and, and I think we can see that in the realm of stewardship. God entrusts us with these sorrows, and yes. each of us entrusted with sorrows at different times and of different sorts. And then, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to reject God? Are we going to uh, live lives of bitterness? Or are we going to receive that as significant and meaningful and then turn that outward into love for God and, and service for others? And then uh, you, you were speaking before as well about um, just being honest with sorrows. And I think it's so important to understand that in this world we have joys and we have sorrows and those things do not negate one another. You, really? If you have black and white, you can mix them together to make gray. But there isn't something, you don't mix your joy and sorrow and come out with something in the middle. We live rejoicing in the Lord and we live brokenhearted by our yes. sin, by our suffering, by our losses. And both of those things are true. Uh, they, they, they never meet and mix together to become one emotion but we know that when when we come to heaven, when, when our time comes, when we stand before the Lord, all the sorrows will be gone and Amen. all the joys will remain and even be amplified. So only one of these things is going to cross the river uh, the day we, our time comes.
0: Amen. Excellent. Thank you, brother. Folks, the book is Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Challies, and I strongly recommend it. It'll be a comfort and encouragement to you and to those that you love. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the broadcast with us this evening. You're very welcome. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be a part of the miracle. That's wvr.org. Please help us help these children. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.